Welcome into 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm here with Mike Renner, ready to rip it up. We're continuing our off-season preview series. We're going to look at free agency and draft previews for all NFC teams. Today on the Monday episode, we did AFC teams. On the Wednesday episode, we are doing NFC teams. And at the back end of the podcast, we interviewed Diami Brown, wide receiver of UNC, and UCLA defensive tackle Osa Adigizua. Those are at the back end of the podcast. Make sure to tune in. Uh, let's get it. Mike Renner back in studio, coming off a bonus mailbag. Everyone loved that. We didn't even tease it, by the way. People just dropped that on secret. their feeds. The a little secret, secret bonus. bonus. Um, and I know you wanted to open the podcast today because it's a special day. You're going on a date with a 20 year old. Nope, not tw- 20. 21. Not 21. 22 year old soccer player. Okay, we don't have to get too deep. Into oh, sorry, it. sorry, sorry, sorry. We're right. going on a date. Going on she a date today. In honor of me getting myself back out there, mm-hmm. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, tell a story about. Some of my early dating experiences because we've we've heard your dating stories and they're usually the people you're going on dates with fucking up. Yeah. My dating experiences are me fucking up. And so that's it. why I can't tell a lot of them because some of them are a little more or less PG-13. Gotcha. Shall we say. But this one's tellable. This one's back in my younger years. Come fresh out of college, back when I'm living in Chicago mm-hmm. at the time, like downtown Chicago, right next to Millennium Park. And I used to have fairly bad social anxiety before, like dates, interviews, presentations, stuff like that. So I would drink some alcohol. Oh, Very wow. healthy habit, you know. So I would probably usually like three or four Miller Lights. But on this day, it's a Saturday lunch day, brunch day. And I don't really feel like pounding, you know, four Miller Lights at 11 a.m. before I'm going. So I go down to the CVS below my place and I grab a Four loco Gold. And that was back in my Four Locos Isn't days. this another story that comes with the Four Locos? I was going to say, back in the day, I used to drink Four Locos a lot. You're a fucking sick bastard. <laughs> Again, I got to ask the question, is this the new or old formula? This is the new formula. So okay. it did not have the... This was okay. 20... Wait, there's an 14. old formula? The the original OG formula had over 500 milligrams of caffeine. Yeah, oh it got God. banned because got banned. I think people were like dropping dead. Yeah, so that was <laughs> a serious. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get into this. They could have just dropped the caffeine to a normal range and probably sold, but they had to take caffeine out altogether. So oh, wow. So don't have caffeine anymore. But it was 14% alcohol and 24 ounces. And so that's around six to seven drinks. Um, I drink it before this date. And, I, and as you know... I have a fairly high alcohol tolerance, and I don't. It takes me a while to act drunk. Like you can't tell that I'm drunk after like ten, twelve beers. And so I go on this date. It's at like noon. On the date, I have I think two more mimosas, four more Miller Lights, and so by the end of it, pretty pretty hot. Like, and, and I think it goes well. She's a very nice girl. She also went to Notre Dame. Actually, I didn't even know her there, but also went to Notre Dame. Goes really well, but then after that, people were back at my place playing beer die, and so after that, I just keep rolling into Saturday, and I'm drinking still. Oh wow! Because so, it was a lunch date, I forgot. Yeah, it was a lunch date, and so I'm drinking the rest of the day. That whatever, you know, drank a lot by the end. Wake up the next day. I don't remember a single thing I talked about in this. Oh day. no! She had been texting. We had been texting after that, like things have been going well, but. I don't remember details about her at all. Like the things she told me, what she does for work, all of this stuff at this point. And so I'm too embarrassed 
to even respond to her because I can't go on another date because I have to ask her every single thing that I just asked her on the first one. She didn't know that I was like hammered. She she had like two drinks at lunch. And so I uh, told her I couldn't see her again. <laughs> Dude, that's incredible. I've never even dipped my toes in those waters. No, I don't think I've was... ever like pre-gamed a date like that. Social yeah. anxiety hits real. No, yeah. It, back when I had pretty bad social anxiety, it was not fun to... Like, you, I had to do that, or else Man. it would go even worse. We're going to need another was, dating story on the Thursday episode after this one Yeah, well, I, no Four loco tonight. I'll Don't be, do a Four loco. I'll be tonight. sober rolling. I can't in. believe you're like, old formula or new formula? I didn't even know there was a thing there. I, I guess I got old out of Old formula would have been psychotic. I was never in the, the, the Four loco game. <clears throat> it was probably or before the, you were even, like, the old formula went away in maybe 2010. Oh, okay. Okay. So. I graduated high school in 2012. Okay. Um, for tonight... Do you know if her parents are doctors? Are you hoping for that? Are you, any fingers crossed? I mean, one can one hope. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the podcast here. I was going to tell a story about my mom because we went and had pictures of margaritas last night and she oh. opened up, but I'll save it for Thursday. Okay. She told me some of her stories about stealing cars I never heard before. It was fantastic. Oh, They're fantastic. I'll tell you that. <clears throat> I'll tell it on the Thursday episode. Uh, let's get into this one here. We have the interviews at the back end of the podcast. Obviously, Diami Brown and Osa Adigizua of UCLA coming on. But to start going to do the same thing we did for the AFC teams on Monday for the NFC teams on Wednesday. Look at what they have in cap space, some cut candidates, all that stuff as we prepare for what should be an absolutely insane, I'm going away from bonkers, insane offseason. Oh, wait, what did we decide on? Is insane Far- what we decided on? No, farcical. absurd was your farcical. absurd, bonkers, farcical. I'm going It, it should be today. farcical. It, I mean, I, it's not going to be. All right, <clears throat> Packers, your Packers. Minus, they're right now projected at minus $11.5 million in projected cap space. Free agents, they could lose a really talented center in Corey Lindsley. Kevin King, who, if you don't remember, did not have a good postseason. We'll leave it at that. Aaron Jones, <laughs> who, you not? who reportedly is drawing interest from the Miami Dolphins and could see over $15 million a year oh. on average on a new contract. And then the big dog, former UCLA tight end Mercedes Lewis, who is still kicking around the league. He's also on PFF's list of the top 200 free agents. Mercedes Lewis is still a top 200 free agent this offseason, which is incredible. You can check out that full list on pff.com. Let's start with Corey Lindsley. Is this a priority re-sign for the Packers? I don't think so. I mean, that's what they did last year in the draft with all the late-round picks that they went along the offensive line there. With their six, I think they drafted three interior offensive linemen in rounds five, six, and seven last year. Like that was because they knew I think Corey Lindsley was going to be on his way out this year. Because eleven point five million over the cap already, you're not you're going to have to make plays just to get under. You yeah. know, and so uh, I'm not sure there will be major players unless someone goes ring chasing is the biggest thing here. And the Aaron Jones, that ship is all been sailed. I think a lot of teams are going to be praying. So these projected cap space numbers are based on $180.5 million cap. Teams are praying that the NFL gets to like 187, 188, because that will be so much more flexibility in terms of a lot of these teams that are right up against it that just aren't going to be players at all. That's one guy that they can add to the roster. And a lot of teams, that's a big addition if you can get one guy in there. And so I think a lot of teams are going to be praying the Green Bay Packers being certainly one of them yeah i mean i do think that aaron jones honestly goes elsewhere i, I don't expect yeah. with the investment they made in aaron Di- um, aaron dylan aj dylan aj dylan a year ago with the second round pick i think they want to keep him as a, I mean, is it jamal williams also a free agent yes jamal williams is but so, i didn't put him on there's not yeah. as key but man aaron jones going from green bay's offensive line to the dolphins offensive line could be 
a disaster. A bit of a rude awakening. A disaster. Yeah. That, I don't think that they should be spending big at the running back position. That is a dangerous game to play. You saw it in the same division with the Jets yeah. when they went and grabbed Le'Veon Bell. I think that's a different story. Aaron Jones may be a bit in his prime, more in his prime than Bell was, but still, paying big for running backs, as awesome as they are, as cool as the sombrero is, as cool as the sunglasses are, and the marketing around that, is tough. It's a tough bite to overcome and I know if you're like the Jags the Dolphins or even the Colts you're in this position with so much cap space that you can maybe make a luxury signing like an Aaron Jones but in our humble opinion or my humble opinion at least it's it's probably a contract situation you want to avoid some cap casualties or some guys they could cut to get under this number they already cut Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner they can cut Zedarius Smith for $12 million savings, Preston Smith for $8 million in savings, Billy Turner for $4 million, and then Dylan Lowry for three point three. Dean Lowry. Who do you think that, what, Dean Dylan? Lowry. Or Dean Lowry. I don't know what is going on. I can't read today. But do you think they actually cut the Smith brothers? I know Preston, they're not brothers, yes. but they call them the Smith yeah. brothers. Preston, yes. I don't see how you can justify three edge rushers, or paying big money three edge rushers with how – kind of average Preston Smith was last year. It's just not, he's not bringing that much value to the table to where that 8 million, you, you got to make cuts somewhere. If you're 11.5 million over the cap, someone's got to go. Now, Zedarius is different. Zedarius, you could maybe flip in a trade piece and that's how you recoup some trade, some uh, value there. But I could see both of them not being Packers next year, as we said on, I think the last, the mailbag podcast. So how do they get over the hump? What's the plan? What do they use their first-round pick on at 29, and how should they approach free agency? Because I know a lot of Green Bay Packers fans want them to go get on this blue-chip wide receiver class in free agency. No. They want them to go get a Robinson, a Galladay, a Fuller, or whatever. Fuller's the only one because of the PED suspension, because of his injury history, that maybe. You know, if he's going to take I'd love a, that fit. I'd love that. It, and it would be. And if he goes one-year deal, wants, you know, wants to prove he's healthy, wants to prove he can, you know, it's away from that suspension – if you're going to go somewhere to put up big numbers, it would be Green Bay. That would be an ideal situation for you to put up big numbers. So I can see that's the only way I could see someone, one of these wide receivers in the class, going to Green Bay. Otherwise, I think your first, second rounder looks like it should be a wide receiver at this point. Don't pull a Saints with Alvin Kamara and try to kick the can with Aaron Jones and say, hey, we'll push that. We'll give him a real small salary this year, a small cap hit this year, and big money in the future. Don't do that at the running back position. Do not do that at the yeah. Saints probably going to be regretting it for a couple of years. And then, like I said, pray for ring chasers, J.J. Watt, Marvin Jones, something like that. Guys towards the end of their career who will take cheap. I, I, I don't know if that's a realistic, if that's people are going to actually do that this year, but pray for it. I mean, Marvin Jones, that's a name you should say with your chest. I like that as a piece for yeah. them in the offseason. He off even season. said, I think, he said he's at the point in his career, he's already you know, signed his big money deal that he wants a ring. That would be. I think that's a good fit. Honestly. Him and A.J. Green want to play together. Oh, we have Marvin Jones, AJ yeah. Green, Devontae Adams, maybe Will Fuller. Let's build, let's build a dynasty in Green Bay, a one-year <laughs> dynasty. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, we won't go there. Chicago Bears, producer Mike Quinn trying to fit a bangle into every conversation. You'd love to see it. Chicago Bears projected right now at minus $2.5 million in cap space. Soon-to-be free agents are Mitch Trubisky, Allen Robinson, Jermaine Effetti, Deshaun Gibson. Some cap casualties that they could you know, potentially move on from to save some money here. Jimmy Graham at $7 million, who had that sick-ass touchdown grab and then just left i don't know if he's ever coming back and that actually helped me cover a teaser leg which uh was huge for me bobby massey 5.4 million charles leno at 6.2 million kyle fuller i think that's an interesting one one of the better outside corners in my opinion in the nfl and then akeem and they'd save 11 million with him and then akeem hicks at 10.5 do you think they start cutting loose some of these stars like hicks and fuller well that's the thing about 
Kyle Fuller's cap hit here is twenty million dollars. Oh my god! You know, like that that contract is coming back in full force right now with the kind of low hits early on and then uh, escalators to where, man, yeah, he's at his best worth that kind of money, but we haven't seen his best in three years now. And so maybe. What like, about a Bears gotta, favorite gotta, Akeem if you, Hicks? If you got to get money elsewhere, maybe. Akeem Hicks is also 32, probably coming off his worst season in like three or four years, like is on the downslope of his career. That's a that's probably a more likely, if I'm going to save money somewhere, would be Akeem Hicks. The Jimmy Graham one's the obvious one. That one's, you got to get rid of Jimmy Graham. You got too many tight ends there as to begin with, and he's just... He's not a difference maker. I mean, he is not at this point in his career a difference maker at the tight end position. So that one's that. They're not going to be big players, I don't think. Like, they're not going to re sign Allen Robinson. They're not going to be shelling out big money for a quarterback. That's not where they are. But I think, like, a Jameis Winston could make a lot of sense. If, if you are going to go the free agent route, I think they're going to have to at this point. You're not going to be quarterback's not coming in there and, and taking you to the playoffs in this rig class where you're drafting in the 20s there. So. Do you think that's what Matt Nagy wants, though? Does he want a Jameis Winston, Cam Newton I don't think anyone wants like, a Jameis Winston. But, uh, no, but, you know? but I, I think there are some offenses where Jameis Winston can have some success. Yeah. But I think Nagy's offense, ideally, is built around yeah a facilitator, built around a quarterback that's consistently Jimmy. accurate with the football. A Jimmy G, a Derek Carr, Kirk Jimmy Cousins Jimmy G's not consistently accurate. No, I, I, I know what you mean. But, though, but, but you get what I'm saying. Throwing underneath and you know, yeah. being on time, those types of things. Jameis throws with good timing. I, I'd... I just think Jameis has the higher reward possibilities. Jim, Derek Carr, you're going to have to give up a lot for yeah, yeah. Like you don't, I wouldn't be giving up. I'm not mortgaging the future this offseason. It's the biggest thing I would do. Now they might because Ryan Pace needs to save his job. That's what I'm saying. Like what's the what's but, the point? Jameis isn't taking them to the playoffs or deep in the postseason either. He could. We could. They made the playoffs this with past who? year with Mr. Biskin. They Nick lose Allen Robinson. That I they, they lose Bobby Massey. Potentially. I mean, was their passing game good last year though with Allen Robinson? No. Okay. And it's not. It's going to be worse. <laughs> but I mean, it's it might not be worse because Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky are not good. Are Here's my take. Worse this, this seems like your projected plan here seems like a middling plan. Like let's con- continue to be a middling team. I'm, if they, look, I'm trying think, to save his job without. And this ain't it. This isn't saving anybody's job. This is getting them that, in drafting in the same spot. I mean, their defense is still good enough to get them to the playoffs with this. I, Dude, I they think they lose is. Kyle Fuller, Keem Hicks. You know. Well, like under the plan, it would be I'd, put, I'd say Jimmy Graham, Keem Hicks, Jameis. Okay, and then maybe maybe a Chris Samuel or. Here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. Yeah, you either need to go all in and go and keep some of these talented players like a Kyle Fuller, whatever. Go get Derek Carr and try and shoot the moon with like a legitimate quarterback. How is like Derek Carr is not shooting the moon though? Is my like? I think their offense is better with Derek Carr than with Jameis Winston. Absolutely, Matt Nagy's offense is better with Derek Carr than it is Jameis Winston. But again, is it? How how good is your offense though with Derek Carr? Derek Carr is more reliant on his weapons than Jameis Winston is. In That's terms true. Of like, That's true. He, That's why any of these plans suck. I think yeah. they should just tear it all down. Cut Fuller, Hicks, Graham. But that's my thing. It's like you don't want to. You're not in a position to tear it all down because you're, you're good to enough your to job. Win. You're good enough to win, but you also don't want to mortgage the future. If you're the Chicago Bears, you don't want to give up draft capital wholesale. That's yeah. what you don't want to do. So this is such a bad situation for Bears fans. Honestly, it's not that. I mean, like there are worse. We're going to get to some worse situations. Fair, fair. Is JJ Watt going to Chicago? No, he lives there. His wife, His plays, wife there. plays there. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's feasible. All right, let's get off the Bears. Let's hang out. With Minnesota play. Vikings right now projected minus $9.4 million in projected cap space. Will likely lose, you know, free safety Anthony Harris this offseason if they don't give him the tag again, right? Wasn't he playing on the tag this past yeah. year? Uh, Dakota, Dakota Dozier, 
Eric Wilson, Jaleel Johnson, all potential free agents they could lose. Some just cut. Dozier. No, it's Dozier. Is it? It's Dozier. I don't know, but I kind of like Dozier better. Um, cut candidates, Riley Reef at $11.8 million, Kyle Rudolph at $5 million. I don't think they cut Rudolph. Rudolph is like Minnesota. Like, they love the guy They there. drafted... Uh, they love Rudolph. I, it's more likely they restructure it than they do cut him. I, I bet think Kyle Rudolph is embedded in that Vikings organization. I will bet you Kyle Rudolph's gone. He, what do you, What was his thing? He said they they were talking about cutting him, and he said no, he wants a new deal. Is what oh really? <laughs> he was just like like no, I need a new deal. Fair that enough. was a power move by him to say we're going to cut you. No, I want a new deal. But I think he's gone because they have to. Another team has to create space. Yeah, nine point five million over. You got to do something. They could be – the more I look at this roster, the more I'm on board with the Cousins flipping. And people are saying, you know, you might not get much back for Cousins. By all means, flip them for whatever the hell you can get at this point because it's not – there's just not a lot of avenues to improving this roster at this point. And I think where you are at 14 overall, you're in a position where you can trade up. And if you get that draft capital from Cousins, you can be a player in this quarterback class Maybe. And even if you're, and then if you're not, you'll be a player in the 2022 quarterback class if you do trade Kirk Cousins, because right now you are in the dreaded purgatory. Yeah, you are in eight and eight purgatory. That is where you are as a Minnesota Vikings franchise. You are in the seven to nine to nine and seven. This is not a roster that's going to swing wildly one way or the other from that gap. So at that point, and that's kind of where Kirk Cousins gets you, unfortunately, with this roster, unless you. Because there's no real way to fix this offensive line. The only way to fix this offensive line is to cut Riley Reef, one of your better offensive linemen. Yeah, that's you know? tough. Like so that's, do you think the best case scenario for the Vikings is to move on from Kirk Cousins? The more I looked at it, I didn't think it was necessarily the most realistic. But, man, with his $45 million impending cap hit in 2022, yes. You're not going to win in 2022 with $45 million cap hit at quarterback if that quarterback's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's another... Now, this entire NFC NFC North situation is kind of rough outside of, obviously, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah. like, Bears are in a bad spot. Vikings are in a bad spot. And then Lions could be getting number one overall pick next year. Well, I, I was going to say, we, you talked about the Bears being in a bad spot. I think these the Vikings and the Lions are in worse sort of positions roster-wise. Wow. Wow. All right, so let's get to the Lions. Yeah. Minus $8.4 million right now in projected cap space. They're likely going to tag and keep Kenny Galladay or tag and trade Kenny Galladay. Deron Harmon, Marvin Jones, Romeo Aquara, Everson Griffin, Danny Amendola, Gerard Davis. All those guys are free agents. All those guys could be leaving Detroit this offseason. Some cap casualties to get under the cap right now. Again, minus $8.4 million in projected space. Desmond Trufant at 6.2. Justin Coleman at 4.9. Nick Williams at 4.65. Chase Daniel at 2.3. Jesse James at 2.1. And then Danny Shelton at 4 mil. So, I got to be honest here. I'm not proud of this, and I'm. Uh oh. And it didn't used to happen when I was in, when I was actually like doing NFL full time and actually grading games and whatnot. But I had to look up who Nick Williams was. <laughs> I did not know he is in his seventh year in the NFL. Had never played more than 500 snaps until five until 2019. Uh, went to Samford, and they gave him two years. I think like six million dollars a year. After one year with the Bears. And he's not an impact player. Did not grade well this past year at defensive tackle. So that one, wild to me that I had to still look a guy up who's going to make over $5 million this year. Now, some of that's on me. A little embarrassing, but... Whew, I'm sure some if that's of our listeners not a, are not. If that's not a microcosm of the of, entire yeah. situation and, in Detroit. And that's what I'm saying. How you are this bad of a roster 
and your $8.4 million. That's the most stunning figure on the thing. It's kind of insane. Yeah. So you got it. This is a this is a reset button off season. Oh, this is gonna be a reset button off season for a lot of teams. I think we're gonna see a lot of bottom feeders next year. Sadly, because that's just the way the cap sort of sounds went. like my Not Tinder matches, teams. honestly. But I, <laughs> sounds like yeah, was, that's my that's just your bias. That's my <laughs> bottom feeders only. Um, I do think that I, I think that's the craziest thing about this whole review or preview of the Lions offseason is that they have a very bad roster will be in the running for a top three pick next year and are still minus $8.4 million over the cap. Yeah. They're going to have to move on from Trufant, Coleman, this guy that you can't even, you don't even know Nick Williams. Like they're going to have to move on from some talent. And then they're also might not be able to retain a lot of these guys like Galladay, like Jones, all that stuff. Like wouldn't they not be better off with the state of this roster for tag and trade Kenny Galladay to continue to allocate picks and really reset here? Or do you think they should keep Galladay? I, I have no problem with, Giving Galladay an extension. He's a very good wide receiver. Yeah, He's nice going block going forward. Now, uh, could the picks help? Sure. So it's whatever whatever you really want to do with Kenny Galladay. I'm not going to hate, but you got to take him. Like that's your one asset this offseason. You yeah. gotta you gotta do something with. You're him not getting nothing for because him. exactly. So, but it is a nice offseason to hit reset. Like I'm not I'm not giving Duran Harmon a two year deal. I'm not giving trying to resign Marvin Jones. Like that's not going to do anything for you. Let those guys, like, let any of that money walk out the building. Don't try to plug holes in free agency. This is yeah. not the year to plug holes in free agency. I don't think they have the horses to do it either, to be fair. Yeah, but it exactly. um, will be an interesting situation for the NFC North. Let's jump now to the NFC South and the reigning Super Bowl champions. champions. They're in a better cap situation than even the Detroit Lions. Yep. With the best roster in football, or obviously not the best roster, but maybe. I mean, this past year, would you say the Tampa Bay? Yeah, Tampa probably. Bay. The most yeah. complete roster. So they're still $13.4 million over the cap. Obviously, that includes losing a lot of their big guys. So Monte yeah, David, Shaq Barrett, Rob Gronkowski, Adamakong Sue, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and playoff Lenny, or Lombardi Lenny, I think is Lombardi what he goes Lenny. by now. All of those guys were like key contributors to this Super Bowl run. Yeah, they were all, I mean, like Lenny, whatever. Maybe but. not Adamakong Sue either. I don't think and he was Sue, all that impressive. Yeah, but Godwin, Brown, Gronk, Barrett, David, that's a lot walking out the door, possibly. And I think that's what makes their cap casualties so important, too, because I've mentioned before that Donovan Smith, they could get out of with zero dead cap and save $14.25 million if they cut him. And I know he's coming off a career-high season from a PFF grade standpoint, but if you want to try and bring back a David, a Godwin, a Barrett, you're going to need to make some moves. And I think that move right there I think is, a, you, is a potentially good one. Well, I think what you do is you give him an extension because it's the last year of his deal. It's a three-year deal. This is the last year you give him, like, two more years onto it and then kind of kick some, some money of the from money this down. year okay. into the next two years is what I would do because he's still 27. In fact, they would just play his best year. You could do better than Donovan Smith, but you're not going to if you cut him. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go find a guy on the street. True, because they, cutting him does not help them bring exactly. back offensive line you're, you're trying to win again. You're not trying to win two years from now, sadly, because that's your – if Tom Brady's still playing two years from now, maybe. But it's going to be difficult to find a quarterback after Tom Brady – at this point with your roster. So I think that's what you do with Donovan Smith, and that'll give you some cap space for this year. I'd cut the tight ends, man. Cameron Braid, O.J. Howard, those aren't moving the needle for me. at $6 million that you could save for both of those guys. So then you're up yeah, to that, somewhere That is in the too much money to be invested in the tight end position for two guys that I think you could replace their production yeah. with the guy in the draft on day two, day three. You're somewhere in the neighborhood of 30-plus million in cap space then at that point. You could make plays on Levante, Shaq Barrett, Probably not Godwin. Of all those guys, uh, Sue might retire. Gronk, you could probably get back for cheap because I don't know if he'd want to play with anywhere else but Brady. Antonio Brown may be similar. You could probably get back for cheap. But Chris Godwin's the one who 
I don't think he's taken hometown discount. Let's run it back sort of thing. I think he's the guy who's going to walk in free agency. Do you tag him to tag trade? I don't know exactly who I'm tagging of this bunch. Not Shaq Barrett again because it would be so expensive. But I'm trying to bring back of those bunch Shaq Barrett, Levante David. That's going to get me another Super Bowl. That was my best path. Do you think Lombardi Lenny, someone breaks the bank for Lombardi Lenny? How funny would that be? If he doesn't go back with the box and some team signs him for like mil. a $10 million deal, that would be incredible. Oh, like man. the Jags. Or, no, 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 not the Jags. <laughs> Sorry. As much as I want the Allen Robinson reunion, there's not going to be a Lombardi Lenny reunion in Jacksonville. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think that we see that. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man, I was not expecting that. Like, you know, obviously, I think at face value, a lot of people see this offseason for the Bucs. It's like, oh, they're going to lose a lot of talent. But they might be in a position if they release Bray, release Howard, and and extend Donovan Smith, make enough money to bring back Levante David and Shaquille Barrett, and then, like you said, potentially makes even more moves in Francie to build yeah. up this team. This is this they is a very good back. situation. They come close to running because right now, I think Super Bowl odds have the Chiefs as the favorite for 2021. But the, maybe the Bucks, maybe the Bucks. Who knows? The Packers, absolutely not. Get out of here. All right, New Orleans Saints. Is this is this real? Minus $69.5 million in projected it's cap. And it's not spectacular. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. Minus $69.5 million in projected cap space. And that doesn't get that much better even if the cap gets up to $188 million. You're still minus 61 in the can. And some free agency they could lose. One of the better safeties in Marcus Williams. Trey Hendrickson has played well for them along the edge. Yeah. P.J. Williams, Alex Anzalone, Jared Cook, Sheldon Rankins, Jameis Winston. Like all those guys probably walk. Like <laughs> how are you bringing these guys back? So let's look. The cap casualties is probably the most important thing here for the New Orleans Saints because yes. they need to get under the cap. And also with these cap casualties, these numbers are just cutting them now. Now you can spread if you cut post June first designation, you spread that cap hit not only over this year but over next year, which is what the Saints are just literally going to have to do. So these guys, so you can read off these numbers here, but just know that they could probably create a little bit more with some of these. Yeah. Uh, if they do that, I think the more important figure here, a little bit. like it's still you'd rather not do that because you don't want that cap pit into next year either. But it's what they have to do literally to yeah. get underneath the cap. I think the more important part of this is the names. Like these are the names that might have to might be on the block. Yes, yes. Quan Alexander, who I think that's the obvious He's cut gone. candidate. Thirteen point two million dollars in cap savings. This one doesn't happen. But Taysom Hill, they could save five mil. But Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill more than you do. If he's do. their starter next year, I was going to make a joke. Why am I jump out of that? Taysom okay. Hill, five million dollars they could save. Janoris Jenkins, you know, the Jackrabbit, you could save seven million there. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. There's no way they bring him back. He's at four million savings. Malcolm Brown at four point nine. The Tay train. Let's Tavius Murray at 2.5 and then Patrick Robinson at 2.6 million like that together is 39.2 million dollars in savings that still doesn't even get you there you're still not even over the cap there this yes. is man this is gonna be a tough offseason for the Saints what's the highest the team has ever been over the cap is at, it the Saints well like you have to start this the season yeah legally yes. or what happens if you don't um lose draft it, picks yeah I think it's fines and draft picks can but, you even play I think I don't, still can, though. Oh, I don't know maybe the Saints uh, just go and say, yeah, what's up? We're, we need we're $30 get, million dollars we need to get a list over, of questions and we're going to lose about, our first. We need to get a list of questions about the cap and then get Brad. Yeah, PFF underscore Brad, PFF's resident cap analyst. We had him on our serious show, but we'll have yeah. to get him on the pod. But there's just – there's not a path to the Saints getting under the cap that looks anything like them retaining the roster we saw. Reloading. Yes. It is a shedding. They have to – and the biggest thing here is they've had nine total picks in the last two draft. 
They've drafted nine players last year. It was this year. This was their year. This was always going to be their year. And then it was the cliff. Yeah. They they prepared all these contracts with all this void void years and expected dead money, knowing this was their cliff, that 2020 was the last hurrah, and then Drew Brees' arm fell off. So, sadly, it has to be a, about the closest thing we've seen to like a Marlins fire sale in the NFL, where they, they not only have to cut all these guys, let all the free agents walk, they're going to have to trade guys in this roster that are good players. Guys like Marshall Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick, Man. Cameron Jordan. They're going to have to get rid- they're going to have to part ways with guys who are not you know like we put cap casualties cuz these guys are maybe not necessarily key pieces. Guys who are key pieces to that franchise. So big reset in New Orleans in route. That's going to be again, I keep saying this and I think you know maybe you could say this about every offseason. I do feel like this is one of the more wild off seasons to be you know yeah. i do think like how much quarterback movement there's going to be what the saints are going to do i mean this is going to be an interesting off season all right carolina panthers they better situation than the saints i'll say that 31.1 million dollars in projected cap space right now that doesn't include retaining taylor moton who's probably their big name for agent they want to bring back at least on a tag situation they could also lose russell okung john miller chris reed rasul douglas corn elder and curtis samuel this off season to free agency and then cap casualties they already cut kwan short Teddy Bridgewater, he's not in a situation. They'd take on a lot of dead cap if they cut him. Yes, but they'd save two point nine. They'd save two point nine million this year, and then Justin Burris, you could save three point eight million dollars if they do release him. I don't think they release Teddy Bridgewater. There's just no way. It's too much dead cap. That's a okay. The sunk cost fallacy. You're just describing what we just talked about. No, it's not because too-, too much dead cap. That's a, that point is regardless of the decision that you have to. I'd make. rather have him as a backup. Have him as a backup before you cut him. Like I mean, but you're that, not getting but here's the thing: it's like you pay him this year, then you're still then he's counting against your 2022 cap, and it's what year is more valuable to you at this point. When you get that, you're going to get a rick quarterback this year if you cut Teddy Bridgewater. If that's like your plan, you're going to go up. You're going to get a guy. You're not going to rick quarterbacks aren't going to win Super Bowls now with that roster. So you're playing for 2022. What's your best decision with Teddy Bridgewater for 2022? I think that you need to for 2022 you're saying yes. if they kept him? The, ca- the cap space do you want the cap space 2022 or do you want a nice year of teddy bridgewater being mentoring say justin fields let me look into his contract a little bit more i'm gonna look for a better there's got to be a better way than cutting his ass for just three million dollars and also it was a different gm that signed him it was marty herney signed him it was not you you have kind of carte blanche as a new gm to come in and make decisions you think are best for the long-term health of the franchise you have I mean, you're not going to get fired after one year if you suck this year as a GM. You just aren't. Here's the situation, big dog. You keep him this year because you have to pay him $20 million no matter what. Might as well keep him as a backup. And then next year, you can cut him and save $21 million. Next year, you cut him, you only take on $5 million in dead cap, which is nothing. I, I don't think cutting him makes any sense. I don't know what happens if you trade him, if that contract's movable. So if you cut him this year, though, you get $3 million in space this year. If you don't use that $3 million, it rolls over to next year. Yes, that's fine. $3 million is nothing. So that's an $8 million difference you'll have next year, which is a player you could add. But they'll save $21 million if they cut him next year. That's You're thinking about that incorrectly. Okay. Either way, I don't <laughs> think paying him $20 million to be released is a smart move. I think it is. I oh. think that's what's in the best long-term healthier franchise. All right. All right. Agree to disagree. All right. That's farcical. Farcical. <laughs> what, what, after cutting Teddy for a measly $2.9 million, a good what's the farcical. move? After I cut Teddy Bridgewater, I think we kind of went into this on the mailbag, but got you got to at least tag 
Taylor Mouton. He's too valuable of an asset when everyone needs offensive tackle. So I, I think try to keep him, like try to extend him, maybe pay Russell Okun and NBA top shots. If you'll accept he's that. his own agent. Is that why you're saying that? <laughs> yeah. And he also got paid in Bitcoin last year is why. So maybe he'll accept some new top uh, shots. Sounds like for a, a discount. Yeah. It's like, well, we'll only pay you in top shots for one, 100 top shots a year. And Solid. see if you accept that. That might be worth a lot. I, it I, might be a lot against the cap. If we I think it's a bet. You shots. bet on yourself there. I like it. But yeah, Akun and top shots, try to. And then I think bring in a vet linebacker, KJ Wright, Jayon Brown, someone like that, hopefully, because your linebacker position was gross last year. And someone to play alongside, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now because I'm Shaq Thompson, because Shaq Thompson was lost without Luke Keekley. So a vet there. And then if I am going to spend that cap space, which I don't love the idea of, because again, playing for 2022 here, that cap space rolls over if you don't use it. You don't have to use it. But I'd go cornerback. I'd go William Jackson, Shaquille Griffin. That's where I'd be in. I, they have, I mean, $31.1 million, even if they don't cut Teddy and, and, and cut Justin Burris, that's enough to like add some talent here. Yeah. But you're right in that they shouldn't just you know, back up the Brinks truck because regardless of who's starting, whether it's Teddy or a rookie quarterback in 2021, the only time I see them really going all in with that 31.1 is if they make a trade for Deshaun Watson. But even yep. then, you're going to have to dump a lot of that money into Watson's contract or whatever happens yep. with that situation. So it'll be an interesting offseason. I think they should be making power moves for Deshaun. And if not, definitely planning to draft a quarterback or move up even for a quarterback mm-hmm. in the 2021 NFL draft. They can't afford to go in to next year with Teddy, whether they cut him or not. We'll have to have the argument again another time. All right, Atlanta Falcons, last team here in the NFC South. Minus $20.3 million in projected cap space. Could lose Alex Mack, Keanu Neal, and former San Diego State legend Demonte Casey in free agency. Some cap casualties. There's not a lot of options here to get under the cap. Dante Fowler at $3.2 million. James Carpenter at $4 million. What do they do to get under the cap here? Are they going to have to make some trades? Man, they are in, they're in a bad way right now because... They made Thomas Dimitrov stole from the future to try to run it back after they lost in the Super Bowl. He he has Matt Ryan with cap hits of $40 million this year, second highest cap hit behind Ben Roethlisberger in the NFL, $42 million next year, and then $37 million the year after that. Like, And they loaded up on the Julio Jones deal as well. It has a massive cap hit the next couple seasons that they just – not only can they, like, they cannot move on from them. They're not saving cap space by cutting guys like that or moving on from guys like that. They're taking on more cap space, a la the Carson Wentz sort of thing that happened in Philly. So this, after the Saints and I'd say the Eagles right now, Falcons are in the worst cap situation I've seen going through all these rosters. It's bad. You can't add talent right now. This is not the year to try to reload via free agency and not the year, in my opinion, to push money into the future. Um, I think this is the year to draft a quarterback if you're going to. Because the way that contract's set up with Matt Ryan, it's not that he's declining necessarily. It's that $42 million next year is just an absurd price to pay. And you're not at a point with your where your roster is going to be able to compete with that money on uh in tow. So they're regretting deals like that Carpenter deal, like that Dante Fowler deal that are paying those guys a lot of money to do basically nothing for them. And, and some of their other big cap hits, 
Jake Matthews and Deion Jones, you can't get out of those contracts necessarily. You need to, and even if you trade them, you're taking on, I think, for both those guys over $7 million in dead cap space. Like those, they're in a tough situation right now. They're going to have to get some restructuring going. They're going to have to make some cap wizardry happen to get under the cap and put together a winnable roster, like yeah. continue to have they'd, a, they'd a roster you can win with. Shit, like you'll go back and look, Calvin Ridley, and then not a lot over the past four drafts. Not a lot of, and not just not a lot of, high-end hits and not a lot of depth either guys who aren't even you know i can rely on that guy's starter no not a lot of guys like that damn all right let's jump to the football team here right now projected at 38.3 million dollars in cap space uh entering the 2021 offseason some free agency could lose brandon scherf a big name there ronald darby and also reuben foster a potential cap casualty that's probably likely even after coming after to be. even after coming off the comeback player of the year award alex smith Save $14.7 million in cap space there. Cutting Alex Smith, probably re-signing Brandon Scherf. What, what, that's probably the two biggest things. What do they do after that? Yeah, I think you got to keep O-line. You, gotta, you, you, you can't lose pieces for that O-line. It wasn't good enough to lose pieces, especially when it's Brandon Scherf. So I, I think that's 1A on your offseason plan. Obviously, 1B is then quarterback position. This one, I... I this one of all the ones I prep of all these teams I prepped, probably took me the longest because... I don't know what they do at quarterback. I don't know what this team, I don't know what their best plan of attack is. Maybe a cam reunion with head coach there, who's I'm blanking on the name again because I do this all the goddamn time. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, thank you. That's why producer Quinn has the mic there. Ron Rivera, maybe a cam reunion. I don't know what quarterback puts you over the top, though, with this roster is the problem. Now, you have the space to play. I think they are heavily in the Chris Godwin mix. If I'm going to say one team, if I had to predict right now that Chris Godwin goes to, that's what I would say because I think he's best as that number two option. That is where he excels, where he can be flexible in his alignment. You've got Terry McCoy on one side, Chris Godwin on the other. I think that's a winning combo, but it's just the quarterback position. I keep coming back to that. I'm not sure you're drafting too late to make a play at one of the top QBs, and you're not – good enough that Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and other guys like that really puts you over the edge. What about what about going after Sam Darnold? You know, they get Chris Godwin, they grab Sam Darnold on the cheap. I'm not saying he's going to have this resurgence, but going after Sam Darnold, if it doesn't pan out, you're drafting a lot higher than you were this year. I like that actually. I think Sam Darnold that, the football team is something I've seen. I've also seen Sam Darnold the Patriots. Me. Those are the two teams I see like Darnold mocked okay. to. No way just, Jets trade with Patriots. They'd yeah. be you Foolish. Can you imagine the embarrassment if the Jets traded Sam Darnold to the Patriots and then Bill Belichick turned him into, like, not even, like, a Hall of Famer, but, like, a guy who goes to the playoffs. Like, yes. if Sam Darnold goes to the playoffs with the Patriots, I think Jets oh, fans would be burning played, jerseys. And the, and the Patriots won. You'd be the laughstock. So, that's not happening. Yeah. But I, the football team fit, I do like, because it's almost, it's a high, it's like a high-variance play. Mm-hmm. That Similar to the Jameis play, take. but with some more upside. Sam Darnold's still only 24 years old. Yeah, with... With some of that, you know, everyone kind of gets horny when you when, it, when you got that unknown. Mm-hmm. What could he be if he's not playing with Adam Gay sort of thing? I'm a big guy on the unknown for sure. All right, let's jump to the New York Giants here. Uh, they have right now projected cap space $0.9 million, a little bit over right now. Uh, some free agents they could lose. Cam Fleming, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Kyler Fackrell. I think Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, for what you know, Gettleman wants and what you know, Joe Judge wants losing those guys could be kind of big. Like they like to having the strength down low. Yeah. Um, cap casualties they can move on from Nate Solder at six million, Golden Tate at six million. The interesting situation here is I still think they need to kind of throw the kitchen sink at the offense. 
to try and figure out if yeah. they can win with Daniel Jones. Like that, similar again, we keep bringing draft up, though. That's yeah. what you got to do that one in the draft this year. Like that wide receiver at eleven, pencil that one in at this point. Or Pitts, and then or Pitts at eleven, pen that one in if he's there. Sharpie. But, <laughs> but then round two, round three, offensive line help wherever else you can help your quarterback there. That's where I would go because defense was not the issue last year. It was. I mean, pretty much was the offensive line. So I don't know what necessarily you can do in free agency to help out that offensive line. You're not going to be playing with a lot of space. And you kind of just, you don't want to be, there were massive players last year, obviously, signing James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, big money deals. Being massive players two years in a row is a dangerous game. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you end up like some of the teams we just saw on mm-hmm. this list. So I, I don't think this is the year to really go out and spend. If you maybe got an offensive line you like on the cheap, by all means, that's the only place I'd go in free agency, though. This will be an interesting one because I do think this is the year for Daniel Jones. Like, you got to show up this year, and especially if they add weapons in the draft and then try and build up even some small yeah. pieces in free agency. I think they're going to try and make this the year where they properly evaluate him. And if they're drafting inside the top 10 or fringe top 10 next year, I think it's time to move on, time to cut the cord. Um, Dallas Cowboys right now projected at $19.4 million in cap space. They've got a wild free agency ahead of them. Dak obviously is a big priority. Xavier Rhodes, Chidobia Wuzie, and Jordan Lewis, all three guys in the secondary they could lose. Alden Smith, Joe Looney, Tyron Crawford, Andy Dalton, Quinn's favorite. Okay, Dak Prescott, let's start the conversation there. Is he a must-resign to a long-term deal? Is he a must-resign to a tag? Or is the best option a tag and trade? Well, I think the biggest thing here... Not the biggest thing, but a key point here is they don't have a lot of space they can create. They kind of have a set roster with new contracts that can't be, they can't create Strict. space. So they can't get a guy right now that can create over $3 million on his own. Oh, wow. For, unless you post June 1st someone and then you know push that into future years. But they don't have a guy right now that can create $3 million of space on by cutting. So a tag for Dak Prescott in the mid $30 million is... That might be difficult to fit under the cap. You're gonna have to make. You're gonna have to do some magic there to fit that tag under the cap. And so Prescott could call their bluff, so to speak, and just say, "Sure, I'll play under the cap." And they might, they might have to gut that roster, not not gut that roster, but do some some bad decisions that you would not want to do normally to create that space for a Dak Prescott to fit that one big cap hit. Because if you get an extension, you can obviously have a cap hit lesser this year, more down the line. So that's the interesting, that's going to be whatever happens kind of there with the DAC situation, whether it's they do tag me plays in the tag, whether it's they do find an extension and then they have some more space to play with this year is going to dictate how the rest of their offseason goes. What would you do? What would you do with the Dak Prescott situation right now? And what do you think what do you think is the most likely happening? If they can get a tag and trade for a real pick with Dak Prescott, someone who's either, I don't know, the Dolphins at three. Someone sitting there where you can get a quarterback on the cheap because you're paying too much money to the rest of this roster is the problem right now. You got a roster that's good at too many places, old at too many places, and being paid at too many places that if you add the quarterback to being paid on that list, you're just, you're SOL for the next three off seasons about in terms of adding any, any free agent talent to that roster or retaining talent to that roster. Hear me out. I got an idea. Mm -hmm. Social team cut this. What about Carolina? I know that's not a move. I know the pick eight isn't one where you're going to be in on the quarterback class, but Carolina, as we've heard, multiple rumors, they're trying to get aggressive at upgrading over Teddy B, trying to go after Deshaun Watson, trying to trade up for Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. What about a tag and trade to Carolina 
and then leveraging the number 10 pick and the number eight pick to try and come up and go get you know a top guy like zach wilson or justin fields what is your opinion of that i would i would love that's what i'm saying if you can get a real pick a real pick would be anywhere else in the top 10 that to me I, would, I think that's a sneaky. Means, I think that's a sneaky possibility. That. Like as we continue to hear about Carolina trying to make a move at quarterback, and maybe Deshaun Watson doesn't pan out, they don't want to trade five first rounders or whatever it has yeah. to be. I do think Dak Prescott could be an option for them. Yeah, and it's, the biggest thing is because Dak Prescott is going to want forty million dollars a year. That's what he's going to want. He's going to want Deshaun Watson money. Mm-hmm. He has not had a season close to what Deshaun Watson did this past year. Is even in this past season with all those weapons, the best weapons in the NFL in my opinion, 80.6 passing grade. That's like that. That's your cap. You're going to have to have a cheap roster around them to win, and you're not going to have that anytime soon. All right, let's go ahead and move forward now to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are in a similar situation to the Saints in that they have a lot of negative cap space, negative or minus $42.9 million right now in projected cap space and free agents. They could lose Jalen Mills, Nikhil Roby-Coleman, Jason Peters, Vinnie Curry, They're probably going to have to get out of some of these contracts, some cap casualties here or potential cap casualties. Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Marquise Goodwin, and Zach Ertz, you could say probably close to $20 million, cutting all of those guys with Derek Barnett at the biggest figure at $10 million. Is this just a complete rebuild? Like, yeah, they already moved on from Carson Wentz. They're probably getting the first rounder in 2022 if he does play all the snaps we expect him to in Indianapolis. Do they just completely tear this thing down and rebuild? I think you have to. Or do because the other option is this. The other option is like, no, we can win with Jalen Hurts, and they try and they try and make some moves. They try and make some power moves to build around Jalen Hurts. No, you just can't. You can't. Like you can't. Like you don't have the you don't it's have the horses. Too, it's too bad of a situation. And then they're too old. Like they are too old right now. Brandon Graham, thirty four. Jason Kelsey, Hurts, obviously. Um, Jeffrey is going to be released. Is Jeffrey's, I think you got a release. There's going to be released. There's too many guys that are too old that are your core of that roster. We're the core of the Super Bowl team and have been the impact players to where you got to pay old guys. Like they got to pay those guys and they're not getting cheaper and you're not going to be able to create space unless you move on for them. And are they going to be, and you just won four games last year is the other thing. You just won four games. Unless you got Deshaun Watson, you're not going back to the playoffs with whatever quarterback you're getting next year at that yeah. point are you really going to rely on all these mid-30s guys to run you back to the next time you're ready to go to the playoffs i think it's got to be just i go back and forth on what they should do at six because a lot of me thinks that if a trey lance does fall to them they should swing the bat on trey lance and, and try and get in on this quarterback class but you know the more you talk about it the more you feel like they're not you know what they maybe need to get in on 2022 because the quarterback you bring in at six even then is like mm-hmm. entering a situation where it's not going to be good for a while um i don't know what, what's your opinion at six what do they get in on the quarterback class do they give it get a trey lance if he falls or do they sit on it try and build up around jalen hurts and if he doesn't pan out then get in on 2022 yeah i don't think you trade up I, I would not be mortgaging picks to trade up because of how like i said bads could be yeah like I, i'd be i'd be shedding where I could in terms of cap space. And I, and I mocked that. I mocked them trading up. The more I think about it, I do think that it's better to wait and see if you can get a Trey Lance yeah. at six. And if not, best player available, set expectations low. You know, you're probably winning four to six games next year and then get in on a 2022 class yeah. with an extra first rounder potentially if uh, Carson Wentz goes to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. That would be – yeah, that's what I'm like this – that's then your window is after you get all those picks, this draft capital, and then – 
like I said, you could be in the 2022 class for one of those guys. All right, let's jump to the NFC West here. Seattle Seahawks right now are projected at $4.4 million in cap space. Uh, free agents, they could lose some names here. KJ Wright, Shaquille Griffin, Ethan Pochich, Nick Ballore, friend of the pod, good friend of the pod, special Pro teams Bowler. legend. Pro Bowler this year. Absolute legend on special teams. He also got death threats for when he like twisted CeeDee Lamb's knee or whatever. Yeah. That's insane. You're sending me those. Those are hilarious. Uh, and Carlos Dunlap is a... Cu- a cut candidate at $14.14 million in potential savings there. How do the Seahawks get over the hump? I know Russell Wilson's unhappy, doesn't want to get hit anymore. Is there a way the Seattle Seahawks can be like up there with the Packers and Bucks in the NFC? Like, can they be like the three or four, third or fourth best team in the NFC? Yeah, I mean, so after Carlos Dunlap, I don't think you're keeping them at that figure. So you're going to have around 20 million to play with. You're going to have space. But I don't see how you can't let Shaquille Griffin walk. He was your best corner in yeah. a bad secondary. You, you need I just don't think Shaquille you, Griffin's underrated and you don't only need Shaquille Griffin as the problem like you need Shaquille Griffin and someone so if you can make it work with another one of those free agent cornerbacks that we talked about you know William Jackson being out there someone like that that's your dream that that right there is what is your dream offseason is adding a legit cornerback across from Shaquille Griffin I, I don't think anything else is really moving the needle for you Maybe interior offensive line. There's not a ton of super talent out there, but you're telling like, me like a like a big name wide receiver. You're telling me re-signing Nick Ballore is not going to move the needle for them. Okay, that, that was a must. That was a must add. Like a Pro Bowler, you can't just let a Pro Bowler walk out the door. Do you want your special teams unit to just completely fall apart? No, no, you got to re-sign Nick Ballore. It's a must. It's a must. All right, Los Angeles Rams at minus thirty-four million dollars in projected cap space. Not an ideal situation for them. Some free agents they could lose: John Johnson, who I think is going to have a decent market on the open market. I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in Leonard Floyd, Austin Blythe, Troy Hill, Gerald Everett, former South Alabama great guy who torched my San Diego State Aztecs in his heyday. Uh, cap casualties: Michael Brockers could be on his way out, four point seven million dollars in savings, and then Tyler Higby, who the fantasy community was all about this offseason. Did not necessarily pan out that way. He's got $2.7 million in savings if they do cut him. Yeah, I think you're translating pretty much everything you can for Aaron Donald. $19 million base salary this year. That's all going to be signing bonus. That's all going to, that's all going future. That's going to be a handful of guys on this roster because they don't have any other way. They don't have any other way to get to get $34 million in space to clear that money with the roster they have right now and like the contracts they've signed. Matt Stafford as well. You're just pushing some money down the road. And this is, they're in a dangerous game right now. They are the Saints probably two or three off seasons before the cliff. Like that, when you don't have, t- and now they won't have th- their next three first round picks now after this. They got, they got three years, I think, with the way this roster is constructed. And it might not even be that long because you're not adding. You can't add to this roster right now. This is it, is the problem with dealing away all that draft capital, this is, this has to work for you to justify all, all you gave up for Stafford and all you've paid uh, all these guys. So you're not adding anyone to this roster, sadly, and you're going to have to kick space into future years. Two more teams left here before we jump to the interviews with Diami Brown and Osa Adigizua. Arizona Cardinals right now projected $11.8 million in cap space. They could lose a ton of guys mm-hmm. in free agency or retirement when looking at Larry Fitzgerald on this list. But Patrick Peterson on his way out, Devondre Campbell, Kelvin Beecham, Hassan Reddick, Dre Kirkpatrick, Larry Fitz, the legend, Larry Legend, Marcus Golden, Kenyon Drake, J.R. Sweezy, all those guys 
could so, be on their way out. So it's interesting. Like all those guys are contributors. I don't think they necessarily. No, you know, they don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe besides Patrick Peterson, who has admittedly fallen off a little bit, there's not one guy who's like. You got to bring him back. Yeah. You got to bring him back. Yeah. So. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's a legend, though. But if yeah, Larry Fitzgerald is playing football in 2021, he better be on the damn Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. You know, you don't want to let a legend like that go. Yeah. How sad would that look if he's on Pittsburgh? The Bears? <laughs> he maybe go back to Pittsburgh. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Either way, they lose um, Juju Smith Schuster. We'll see. Cap casualties they could get rid of and, and make some more space. Chandler Jones at 15.5 million. Justin Pugh at 7.2. Robert Alford at 7.5. Those are three guys with over five, over $6 million in savings potentially. Of those three, who do you think is the most likely they maybe release or, or make some moves on? I think Alford's probably gone. Jones, it's already been talk about trying to either change to bonus or get him to take a little hit for this upcoming, uh, take a little pay cut because he has, like I said, $20.8 million cap hit this upcoming season. That's a lot. Obviously, a good player. You, it's bad business, in my opinion, to be cutting good players, just getting rid of good players. But you got to make space where space is, is on a premium this offseason. So I think they'll do whatever they can to keep Chandler Jones. And then you have a little bit of money to work with. I think they should be in the free agent cornerback market, maybe for a budget guy, kind of like they were with Drake Kirkpatrick last year. Name I highlighted here, Gary and Conley. Had his injury histories, was coveted for like a third-round pick only a year and a half ago. Former first-rounder, and they have been, the Arizona Cardinals, kind of a team very much in favor of reclamation projects. They've had their fair share over the years, so I think that's a possibility for them. I also think they could be in the wide receiver market. I would like to see them in the wide receiver market because – they don't just need one. They need two, in my opinion, outside of uh, DeAndre Hopkins there. I don't think that Andy Isabella is going to turn it on in year three. They just don't even use him in there, even yeah. though he's you know, a speed threat. It just doesn't fit that offense. And then I think they could be, if they want that speed threat, though, Will Fuller, Prashad Perriman, another team that would be in the mix for guys like that. And then I just wrote down here, I can't believe Jordan Phillips counts $12 million against the cap this year. I just can't believe that they signed that deal. Jordan Phillips counts $12 million against their cap. That's massive. That's absurd. Yeah. And they can't really cut him because they just signed it last year. They, they're, they're an interesting spot. And I think Cliff Kingsbury, I would argue, is a, on the hot seat at the very least. I mean, they there was higher expectations for him and Kyler Murray. And then they added DeAndre Hopkins. Like There were high expectations for the Cardinals this year. Yeah. And they're like a Hail Mary against the Bills away from like really this season looking bad. You know, yeah. they don't win that game. This season looks I think a lot worse True. than where they were. And I, I, I think the Arizona Cardinals need to show up. A lot of players are, I think specifically Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. And I think he needs to make some power moves to make this offense cook. It Since really he's joined the mind. Cardinals, they've ranked outside the top 15 or even top 20 in EPA per play offensively. Like this has not been a good offense since, since Cliff and Kyler have taken over. And I am of the opinion that it's not Kyler's fault. Like some people are pointing fingers at Kyler. I do not think Kyler is the primary reason the Cardinals offense isn't cooking. Yeah, I mean, dude, Steve Kylan is the Teflon Don there for the Cardinals. His his draft history, you want to see some of his first-round picks? He started in 2013. His first first-rounder was Jonathan Cooper, tone setter. Get that guard. Mm-hmm. Bust. Second first-rounder was Deion Buchanan. Third first-rounder was DJ Humphreys. Then Robert Kamdichie. Then Hassan Reddick. Then Josh Rosen. He made it six drafts. Is that six? Or was that five? Whatever. He made it that far without hitting on a first-rounder. I don't know how. DJ Humphreys has played well for them. And on his second deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess well he didn't hit. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a hit on a first rounder. You can go sign Trent Brown. You don't need to spend a first rounder to get a guy who turns it on in year five. And then Kyler Murray, take. when he owned the number one overall pick. And then Isaiah Simmons is passionate. Like the, his draft history has been 
the fact that he is he's not on, the fact that he hasn't been in the hot seat it's kind of dude it's save gotcha. your job season in Arizona and if it's yeah. not you it better be if, if he was in and I don't like this argument usually but if he was in New York if he was in a bigger market that got more press he'd be out like really would, that would be talked that would be talked about I think that's that's so also much. a fair take yeah all right last team here San Francisco 49ers 13.4 million dollars in projected cap space they could lose some guys though Richard Sherman probably on his way out. Trent Williams, Jason Verrett, Kerry Hyder, Kendrick Bourne, DJ Jones, Akella Witherspoon, Kyle Juszczyk. Like, they don't have a lot of corners. Like, I they know. lose Sherman, Verrett, and Akella Witherspoon. Like, they are going to need to make some moves at corner. I think they have to Verrett. resign one of them, right? Yeah, you got to keep Verrett. I don't think a lot of people are going to be clamoring for the guy with his injury history. Any other? Keep what about Juszczyk? Got to resign Juszczyk, right? I mean, he's a tone setter. <laughs> tone setter. Uh, no, just draft Tommy Tremble. There you go. I do draft. like Tommy Tremble. Draft Tommy Tremble. Um, but the cornerback position is like one. You can't, you can't. That's what got you to the Super Bowl back in 2019. Yeah, it was Kyle Shanahan's offense, whatever. But what won them the number one seed was their cornerback position. They're yeah, just, they, were, they were playing they were, lights out. They were lights out. They, and they had a good sure. pass rush. I mean, Nick yeah. Bosa obviously wasn't hurt, yes. all that stuff. Um, but so that, Cap- that was the biggest difference yeah. year on year. So keep that cornerback position, hopefully. And then Trent Williams, you, you want to resign Trent Williams. Trent Williams is. Fucking awesome. Yeah, like, he you, was awesome. I don't know year. what he's going to take to sign him. I'd pony it up. That offensive line, it needs a cornerstone piece that yet yeah, you can rely on. And especially with the way, with how valuable I think their offensive line is for that run game, I'd resign Trent Williams. And I'd cut Jimmy G's ass. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where the conversation starts for San Francisco. Cap casualties, they could save $23.6 million in space if they cut Jimmy G, D Ford at 5.7, Wes Richburg at 4.5. Let's start with Jimmy G. Yeah. They have to trade or cut him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they have to. I, I don't think they'll find a trade partner. Although, shit, I didn't think I didn't think the Eagles were going to get what they got for Carson Wentz. Desperation is a real thing. So maybe they can. But you can't have him on your roster at over $20 million next year. You just can't. When you sh- when you saw the Lack of a drop-off is the biggest yes. thing I bring up. Like, Jimmy G, between Jimmy G, and Bethard, UDFA. and Nick Mullins, yes, there was a drop-off, but it wasn't that significant. That's the problem. It wasn't $26 million exactly. worth of And I think off. they would be better off moving with one of those guys or making a play for this in this draft class. Like, I do think that moving on from Jimmy G is is where it starts for San Francisco. I agree. And I, my, what I would do, I'd make that play in the draft. You're, you're Kyle Shanahan. You haven't had, a, you haven't had that guy. You haven't had that guy. You had carte blanche kind of coming in with the contracts they signed him and John Lynch with the contracts they both signed. You had carte blanche, and you never got your guy at the get most valuable guy. position. Go get your guy. Exactly. Trade a for future first and a second. Go up and get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Go get your guy. Go get your guy. And if it doesn't because work too, out. Because, again, he's like too – roster's too good, and you're too good of a coach to bottom out. You're yeah. not going to be in a situation where you're going to be picking for that for one of the top guys. So go make that big move. You Come already on up have to pick five. Yeah, go up to pick five. Pick five. Trade with the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. You know, if, they, if 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 Fields or Wilson falls that far, go get them. Also, I think the proverbial cheat code is having as good of an offensive coach as they do in Kyle Shanahan because he doesn't count against your cap, and he automatically, like you said, you're not going to bottom out with this roster and this coaching staff. Like yep. he automatically lifts the floor of a lot of quarterbacks coming in, and we saw that when Jimmy G has missed time. Like we've seen yep. that with other guys who bring in. Don't continue to lean on that though. That's the problem. Don't continue to lean on Kyle Shanahan propping up bad yeah, say, quarterbacks. They're putting. Let's they're see putting him prop lips. up a legitimate talent. Let's see him prop up Wilson or Fields. You've been putting lipstick on a pig for two. Yes. Long. Give Kyle Shanahan Put not a pick. on a 
uh, Mustang. A dime. <laughs> I guess I probably could have gone human. I didn't have to continue in the horse, but. Yeah, I was going to say, you got a fetish there. We're talking about. <laughs> uh, foot lipstick on a dime. Uh, let's end with that, man. I, and this has been a fantastic episode um, on the NFC and the AFC stuff for sure. Looking at each one individually. Let's jump now to the interviews with UNC's Diami Brown and UCLA defensive tackle Osa Otegizua. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Joining 2-4 Drafts is former UNC wide receiver Diami Brown, one of my favorites in this class, a guy that was a massive field stretcher at UNC there with Sam Howell this past year. Diami, it's great to have you on the pod. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. You're out there in Phoenix right now, enjoying the, the sunny weather close to the West Coast, working out at Exos. <laughs> how, how has that been? How's the uh, experience with Exos been so far? Man, it's, it's really wonderful. Uh, Training-wise, you know, it was it was a little tough little start, you know, just trying to get out every technique for every drill that we have for the combine, uh, 40, the vert, broad, the bench, you know, just learning new things and stuff that I didn't know already. But it's been a great experience, even, you know, meeting the players that's here, wonderful players, you know, great players that's, you know, involved in the combine as well. So it's been a great experience so far. Who are you working out with out there? Who's your workout buddy? Uh, Elijah Moore, actually, matter of fact. From nice, man. <laughs> nice, very cool. I talk, Elijah Moore was on this podcast uh, a few weeks ago, man. He had some good things to say about AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, another talented receiver in this class. And does I've heard that Exos is holding like their own pro day in late February, and then also you know people are going to their own pro days. Are you participating in that? And when is your UNC pro day? So the uh, Exos Combine is actually next week. I'm not participating in that one, gotcha. but I, I will be participating in the pro day, which is uh, March 29th. Gotcha, man. Very cool. It's an interesting, it's going to be an interesting off season, dude, with, with the combine being canceled, going to be meeting with a lot of teams on zoom calls. Have you talked to any teams so far? Are you scheduling those interviews now? What's that process look like for you? Uh, so I do have a few uh, upcoming, you know, scheduled uh, interviews, but I had a few so far. Gotcha, man. How are you preparing for a Zoom interview? I'm going to try and prepare you my best here. I'm going to ask you the tough questions here. We're asking you the tough questions on this podcast. One of the first things I wanted to ask you was specifically about your role at UNC, a very high average depth of target, a very high yards per reception. You were downfield, a a very vertical route tree at UNC. Talk to me about that experience and playing so far downfield all the time. Like You were stretching the field for UNC with Sam Howell. How how was that experience for you? And they were... It was actually a great experience. Uh, coming from high school, you know, we deep balls all the time. You know, oh really? We had yeah, we had fast receivers. Me and my brother, uh, we had a couple of tall receivers. Uh, so deep threats was it was normal. You know, we did all the time. It's like our favorite routes. So just fitting in the system with Phil Longo with that with that offense right there and having Sam, you know, being able to throw the deep ball, it was just automatic. You know, and you you can't go wrong with it. It definitely looked automatic this past season. Uh, talk to me more about Sam Howell. I mean, Sam Howell is, is honestly being considered one of the top quarterback prospects in 2022, had a really good season this past year, and probably going to get a lot better as he moves forward. What's your opinion of Sam Howell? Give me the scouting report on him. Oh, man, he's he's a great player. You know, he took the time during the offseason, you know, extra time in the field room, 
at least eight extra hours, you know. And it, it, you wonder where he's at, but you always know that he's in the office watching film. But, you know, scouting him is, is hard, you know, because he knows the ins and outs of the game. He knows who we're playing, where we're going against, the defense. You know, he, and he studies that all the time. So this is one accolade that he has that, you know, is different. A couple other players at UNC I want to get your, your opinion on and on the offensive side of the ball. Daz Newsom, a guy that played what, like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, everything in the <laughs> everything in the world in high school, and then goes to right. UNC to be, you know, a standout receiver opposite of you. And then also the two backs, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, the two headed monster at UNC, also in this draft class. I need I need it all, man. Give me some good stories from those teammates. A very talented group at UNC. Oh uh, man, Daz, you know, I'm gonna start with Daz. You know, he actually came in to play corner. Man. And it's crazy, wow. you know. My I I was still getting recruited at the time, but you know, I saw him against Louisville. It was a game opener. It was the first play at a jet sweep and went for at least about sixty some yards. And I and I didn't know who he was at first. I was like, dang, he gonna be nice. So then you know, just going there and playing with him, and, and you see, you know, unbelievable stuff every day. He does something, you know, outstanding daily in practice. You you never know. Like it's like. When when was he able to do that? You know, like where's where's this coming from? And it's just a hard work. And then the them two headed monsters that you talk about. Oh yeah. man. Oh man. Words can't even describe how good they are, you know. Character, you know, them boys right there work hard daily. You know, Mike, he's a vocal leader, you know, he he brings the energy every day. Uh, regardless of what it is, you know, he's just going to be him. Uh, Vontae, big guy, you know, and I really like watching Vontae run. You know, he runs guys over and it, it excites me. It brings extra juice to the team as well. So those guys right there are, are amazing players. Let's focus back on you, Diami, because I think, you know, I can tell you what I like about your game all day long. Love the vertical speed, love the vertical route tree, what you do downfield. But tell me what you think separates you in this class. What what makes you a difference maker in this wide receiver group in the 2021 draft? I me, mean, I, I feel like I can, I can separate myself by making a short route easier to run. You know, going deep so many times, a DB expect, expect me going deep every time until I out push vertical, push vertical, make them open their hips and then shut it down. You know, I think that's that's something that I have in my bag, man. You know, just being able to, you know, read the defense as well because I'll go from safety to corner or safety to linebacker to corner, you know, just to read the defense. But I think that's what separates me the most. Well, what kind of film preparation do you do in a given game week? What are you looking for on film when you're looking at an opponent or looking at an opposing corner? What are you looking to identify in those weeks leading up to the game? So I, I just try to look at basic tendencies, uh, alignment, you know, alignment for each formation or, you know, if it was three by one, I was in the boundary by myself. I see how he, how they would like to play me at most of the times, but it'll just be basic tendencies and coverages. That's it. And who, who are some of the t- tougher cornerbacks you went up against playing in the ACC, playing at UNC? Uh, for me, it'll be uh, Asante Sims. Uh, he was probably one of the toughest DBs that uh, I went against. He's very instinctive, uh, knows how to play the ball well. You know, even though he's a short corner, he still, you know, plays like he's a a top corner that's going to be in the league. Yeah, I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. does not play like he's small. That's for damn sure. He's got some crazy <laughs> tape. Um, okay, you said Daz Newsom played corner a little bit. Who wins one-on-one with him playing corner, you versus him? Who, who Are you taking Daz for, to the house, or what are we talking? Um, 
I'm automatically winning. If it's one on one, I'm winning every time. I, it really doesn't matter who who lines up. I could play corner and, and beat him every time. <laughs> That's incredible. That's awesome, man. What? So, uh, uh, are you setting any goals for yourself working at Exos? Are there certain drills that you're like, hey, I gotta hit this number. I gotta hit this number. And I'd be interested to know what weight you played at this past season and what weight you're working to get to right now at Exos. We're not drill wise. Is really the agility, the five ten five and the three cone. You know, I want to run a very good time. You know, at least by the six four, six five, and that in the three cone. Uh, at least by the three nine in the five ten shuttle, and then you know, because those are tremendous times that you can run. But those are the drills that I've been working on the most. So, mm-hmm. and then as far as my weight, uh, I've been playing at one ninety two for like the past two years. So I want to at least try to get at least to like one ninety five to two hundred, be around that range. All right, I have one more question for you because you mentioned the weight, and I think I, I recently talked to Sean Wade in Ohio State corner that went up against this guy, and I had everyone has this opinion on Devonte Smith's weight. You know, the Alabama wide receiver that just won the Heisman. Right. He played the season at like in the one seventies or low one eighties, whatever it was. What is your opinion of like that being a knock for him in this class, not having enough weight, being too slim to be a true number one at the next level? Because Sean Wade doesn't think it matters, and I think you playing even at the one ninety range at six foot one, it kind of speaks to this like it being overrated. What's your opinion of Devontae Smith's game and this whole conversation around his weight? Man, honestly, man, it's the, I think the weight doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. It's all about skill level and how much heart you have and all the other attributes, you know, that can go along with playing receiver. Of course, you know, you, you want some weight just in case it like to prevent injuries, but plan wise, uh, I don't think the weight is necessarily important. Okay. I lied. I had one more question. I wanted to talk to you about, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, what will likely happen in the NFL with an expanded route tree. You know, some of the knocks that I've heard about your game is that you didn't run a ton of different routes and you didn't have to, to be fair, you got right. open on a lot of the deep routes. And I had conversations with Brandon, Ayuk, the former Arizona state, now San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers receiver. His knock was that he didn't run a ton of routes either. And now he's playing in Kyle Shanahan's scheme and running the entire route tree and doing a damn good job of it. How do you, Take that question about, hey, you know, when you get an expanded route tree, how do you expect to have success? Do you work on routes a ton in the offseason? I'm interested to know what your opinion of, like, getting an expanded route, expanded route tree in the NFL is going to be. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, I, I was limited routes, you know, with the offense that we ran. But even in the offseason, I, I work on every route there is, every angle to catch a ball, you know, whether it's an out curl, dig, slant, you know, all those other routes that, you know, you might have to catch you know, moving around in different route tree. I work on all of that during the off season. So then, you know, when it comes down to it, it'd be easier for me instead of just running the, the same routes that I've been running the whole time. Because you, your brain has to get used to running every route. So on the, during the off season, I train and do every route and just, just so I can get a better understanding and knowing how to run each route. Well, I look forward to seeing the entire route tree from Diami Brown in the NFL. I wish you the best of luck moving forward, man, and really appreciate you coming on the pod. All right, thank you. Joining the Two Four Drafts podcast is former UCLA defensive tackle Osa Odigizua. Osa, great to have you on live from California, man. It looks sunny and beautiful over there. You're living the dream. Yes, sir. It's good being here. Thank you for having me. Weather's been uh, pretty good lately. It's raining just a little bit, but it's nothing compared to what you're going through in Cincinnati and people in the Midwest and the Northwest right now. It's, it's awful, man. I mean, Cincinnati has like one of the worst snowstorms it's seen in a long time. I'm battling. I'm trying to stay hunkered in in the studio, but I'm great. it's great to have you on. And how, how far is the Exos facility from UCLA's campus? I don't know. 
Oh, okay. not bad. Not bad. Who, who are you hanging out with down there? Who's working out in that facility? Uh, a lot of guys. So, Darius Tony's down here, Felipe Franks, uh, Donnie Corley, Evan Thomas, Cyrus. I'm not sure how you say his last name. He's from, he's from uh, Fresno. Okay. Austin from U of O, Levi Wuzrike from UW, and Jalen Phillips, one of my good friends from UCLA and Miami. So. Yeah, Jalen Phillips is awesome, man. I mean, he's a guy I talked about recently with Gregor Rousseau, the, the Miami Florida edge defender who's in this year's class. Who's your workout buddy? Who's your who's your partner in crime in the in the weight room right now? It's Jalen. You know, we we yeah. typically lift the same rack. Okay, so you're you're not putting up more than him, or is there a little competition there? What are we talking? I mean, I feel like I definitely got him in the weight room. He's faster than I am for sure, but I definitely got him in terms of like max output. There you go. So what are you working on right now specifically? Are there any goal weights you have right now? Are you goal times, four-yard dash? Are you looking to hit a certain mark in the three-cone, broad jump? Do you have anything banner, bannered up right now as goals? Um, I know what's, like, what's good for those drills. I can't, like, rattle them off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I know I know like where I'm aiming for, for sure. What, what weight did you play at this past year? Uh, I played at about 275, but typically, typically my playing weight is 280. Gotcha. Have you had any, like, like this have you had any conversations or early conversations with NFL teams at what weight they like to play at or like what positions they're thinking about you? Because you could obviously go through a different, you know, myriad of different things, playing shaded on the center, more three technique. What conversations have you had? What feedback have you received? Um, a lot of people see me as a three tech. Three tech. Uh, looking at this, you know, looking at this past year and really the last three years at UCLA, looking at PFF's grading, one of the more consistent run defenders we've seen. And I think that I think speaks to the floor of a defensive pre- tackle prospect like yourself, a guy that can control line scrimmage, a guy that can play the run. It's not something though that like is as coveted in today's NFL or even in, in college. Like it's all about the passing game these days. How often are you repping run defense in practice? And is it a big part of your game? Do you see it as a strength for you in this class? I definitely see it as a strength because if you if you can't stop the run, then you're not going to get to pass rush. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. have a saying is stop the run, have some fun. You know what I mean? So before you get to get after the quarterback, you have to stop the run. So that's definitely, I say, is equally as important. How, how, how do you think you developed a, as a player in the, you know, the years that you were there at UCLA? Where do you think you got most better? And what do you think really, like outside of run defense, separates you in this class? I feel like just my ability to rush the passer, use my hands. I feel like I'm pretty dominant at that. We get a consistent amount of pressure on the QB every game. So I feel like I'm, I do a good job of pass rushing. I'm one of the better interior pass rushers in this draft class. When you're thinking about, and I think it's when you're talking to edge defenders and even defensive tackles about pass rushing, there's this, you know, this concept of a pass rush plan, you know, pre-snap having a, a primary move and counter in mind. What are you looking at pre-snap and what are you thinking about when you're setting up your pass rush plan or working a certain move, how that kind of develops over the course of a game? Um, well, I'll have like kind of an idea of how a guy's going to set just based off of like film. And then just from there, we're playing the game. So if he's giving me his hands, which I like, I like a double puncher, then I get to work a finesse move, an edge move. But if he's more patient, then I got to set up my finesse move with power. And I can, I would say my bread and butter is typically power, but I can get you with a forklift or just if you're giving me your test, I'll just take it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And, and so I've talked to multiple pass rushers who say you only need, you know, you only need one primary move and then a counter. You work those two moves, maybe a third move, and you're in a good place. Well, there's other guys who are like, I want a tool belt. I want everything under the sun. I want to be able to pull off any move you've got. What What is your mindset there? Do you look to have one, two, three moves mastered? Or are you trying to get as many moves possible, really flex that uh, tool belt, so to speak? I would say it's like three base moves, but just from those variations of the same move. So it's like if you're doing a chop, you could do just a regular chop rip, arm over, chop club, arm over, or like a cross chop if you're going inside. If you're hitting a swipe, it could be a swipe or a counter swipe. And then a move after that. So if that doesn't work, I typically just go to a long arm and collapse the pocket. So, and then the long arm is like, you could take a bull rush straight to it. You could go two to one, you could lift it. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of different ways that you hit the same move. So I'd like to be able to just just kind of do it on the fly. But I have three base moves that I'm going to hit. I think that's a great way to think about it, too, because like you want to have these three base moves, but it's almost more important to have variations off your primary moves than it is to have completely different moves, like a spin and these different things, rather than having, hey, I can beat you with power and I can beat you with power with variations of this primary move, which I think is very interesting. You brought up film. I'd be interested to know how much film you're watching in a given game week and what exactly are you looking at when you're looking at an opposing offensive lineman or an opposing offense? And then in that same manner, how much film do you watch on yourself or your own defense in that game week or even in the off season? I like to watch a lot of film on myself because I'm very critical in that regard. You know, I'm kind of slow to give credit to old linemen. I'm like, was he really good? Or was there something that I could have done? Let me watch the film and find out. So I watch myself a lot. And as far as what I'm looking for, I like to look at formations and just tendencies based on where they're lining up and what my coach can give me. I'm very reliant on my coach when it comes to getting tips and helping me play faster and just getting into with the game plan. I like to get tips from him, ask him a game to watch, you know, and just see if he has any cutups that he can make for me to just look at. So it's not super long, but it's like seeing what he's seeing, you know what I mean? And as far as when guys are run blocking, I look to see, if their feet are gaining ground on their first step, if they're stepping under themselves a lot and what their hands are doing. So some guys, the better O-linemen are going to have tight hands where it's most like an average O-lineman or a slightly above average O-lineman is going to give you his chest right off the line in terms of runs. So that just lets me know how it's going to go as far as like run blocking. So if he's giving me his chest, I got that window of time to just get my hands in him and get extended. And then, like I said, just seeing if he's patient with his hands, double punch, or is he like, you know, as far as how he sets. And how does that shift in the offseason? Do you watch film on NFL players or other talented college players to kind of pick up tools and stuff like that? I like I like to watch a lot of NFL film. Who are some guys you watch? I like to watch Aaron Donald, uh, Southern Rankings. There's a lot of different guys, like, for moves that I do. So my coaches would just make a cut-up of – like a move that I like to do and there'll be a bunch of different guys hitting it like Aaron Donald you know he's famous for that cross shot but he also hits a swipe pretty well bull rush DeForest Buckner is pretty good with a chop club arm over um Chandler Jones has a nice chop long arm to uh Demarcus Lawrence has a nice cross chop Yannick and his cross chop is nice um Shelby Harris has a good bull rush. Just watching different, a bunch of different guys that work the same move and and seeing the consistent technique. What we, what I like to call it, is uh, priming my brain. That's so awesome. I can watch it and just kind of get ready to make those same movements. You know what I mean? 
How, how much Oa Adigizua are you watching? I, I know your, your brother, man, coming out of UCLA, was a, I was a huge fan of his game coming out, and I, I know he had a ton of success in UCLA, at UCLA. I mean, I don't watch it too much of him. I watch it just because he's very athletic, explosive. His activity from whistle to whistle is something that I, I like to emulate, but I'd say we have slightly different play styles. His run, his run technique is good. I feel like as far as hands and making distinct moves, I'm a little better Uh-oh. than him in that way. That's funny, man. I, the other part, you know, what I found interesting about your background, in addition, you know, Odigizua playing in the NFL, the, the rumor is, or not the rumor, but the report is that you never lost a single wrestling match in high school. Like four years as a wrestler, you did not lose. That's what I found. Is that is that true? I lost nine matches my freshman year, and then I went undefeated for three oh, years. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That, okay, okay, that, okay. So what, I know there was this big matchup, I think, between a Hawaiian kid, right? Was it... Um, Aloha High School's Cortez Rodello, where you won with a one-point escape. How I, I need to know about your wrestling background and how, I mean, all the success that went into that. Um, I wrestled for like eight years. So I started when I was 10, just practicing with, because I would just uh, walk over to the middle school and see my brother practicing when I was waiting for our mom to come pick us up. And it just looked so fun. So I begged him, like, could I please practice with you guys? He said, you got to go get your physical, get it signed off by a doctor. So I did. And then I was able to practice, didn't get to compete, but I just, you know, it's passing time rather than sitting on the side and watching. So that's kind of where I started when I was in fifth grade. And then I knew I was going to join the wrestling team as soon as I got to middle school. So my first year of competing was when I was 11. And I did that all the way through high school. Did it mainly like kind of year round because we went to camps in the summertime. We did freestyle, which is kind of like more in the off season. So that's kind of how I got successful because I was never really rusty. I was getting better constantly. So when I started to apply that same mindset to football, that's when I started to find a lot more success in football as well. Do, do you ever wrestle any of the guys at UCLA? There's got to be some matches going on. You can't be the only former wrestler there. No, I was the, I mean, I wasn't the only one, but definitely the best guy. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, dude, you, did, you didn't lose for three straight years, man. That's crazy. I, I wrestled in high school as well. I'll tell you what, I did not have that good of a record. I also wrestled in like the, the 99s or whatever. I was, it was a small kid coming in high school. Um, you know, before we let you go here, I wanted to finish with this. I really appreciate the time, Osa. Um, you know, you're probably going to get this question a lot in this process, but I'd like to ask you too, why do you love football? And what, what do you think you bring to an NFL team at the next level? I love football just because it's a fun game. It's a, it's a good outlet for your aggression. I couldn't be out here playing basketball or something like that. I need a contact sport. That's why I did football. That's why I did wrestling. So I like to just impose my will on guys physically. You know, it's a good outlet for that. Just being with the team is fun, getting to know guys, becoming a part of a band of brothers and being part of something bigger than yourself. So I feel like I'll bring a hard work ethic and just a good energy to a team. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, be careful what you said about basketball, man. You talked to some real basketball players like, dude, it is a contact sport. You can't say that. No, but I agree with you. I man. mean, <laughs> it is. I respect basketball. I respect all athletes and, and the stuff that they do, but you know, it's not the same. It's not the same. No, football. I agree with you, man. I'm just giving and you. And I'd say there's more. The, the saying I think of is like, there's more football players that can play basketball than there is basketball players that can play football. 
I agree with that. That that is uh, very very true, and I think a lot of that is because of that mentality you have to play with. Like you can't go through the motions in football. Like you can go to the YMCA and do a pickup game of basketball with random people. You can't do that with football full padded as you do in college and so forth. So I definitely agree with that. Well, I really re- I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. We'll have to get you get you on again soon, and uh, best of luck moving forward. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Diami Brown, man, he's my guy. I, I love what, you know, how honest he was and how transparent he was about the, the offense at UNC. You know, he ran a lot of deep routes. His, he has, of, since we've been grading college football, since 2014, the second and fourth highest average yards per reception of, in the history, like single seasons, like in the history since we've graded. He moves downfield, wins downfield. And Osa, he solved some mysteries for me. So I thought he, had, he was undefeated in high school as a wrestler. He lost a handful of matches as a freshman and then never lost. And he said he doesn't wrestle any guys at, at UCLA, which is unfortunate. I thought they had some matches there. But two fantastic interviews for sure. Uh, we got a handful of really good interviews coming up. Just to tease the future here, tease the future on 2 for one drafts. After these, Elijah Molden, Mar- Marlon Tui-Pelotu, Jalen Darden, Jamie Sherwood, Boogie Basham, Patrick Sertan, um, Christian Derisaw, Javante Williams, Rashad Bateman. we got some guys coming on the pod that will be an absolute treat. And I will say this, that Amari Rogers interview, you could tell this kid is a coach's son. Like he is one of the smartest players I've talked to this year. And I really do think that's going to lift his floor in the NFL, especially with his self-awareness, understanding how he can win in the slot. He compared himself to Colt Beasley, which I thought was interesting, but also watched a ton of film on some other guys. But that one's going to come at a future date. Um, Until next time, fellas, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you can do for the podcast. Please do it. Um, Austin Gale, producer Mike Quinn, Mike Renner, 2-4 drafts. (laughs) 